eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. back to the State of Recruiting's Open Mic. I'm Mike Roach of Horns 247, and each week I sit down with a friend or colleague from the industry to discuss topics such as football, recruiting, and anything else happening in the world. This week's guest is Greg Biggins of 24-7 Sports. Biggins serves as a West Coast Scout and National Rankings Council member for 24-7. He talks with us about how he got into the business, Texas push for a couple of prospects out West, and much more. So please enjoy this conversation with 24-7 Sports' Greg Biggins. And now joining me on the State of Recruiting Podcast, Open Mic. It is one of the best in the business. Uh, listeners of Open Mic will remember that our first guest was Brandon Huffman. If you see Brandon Huffman, this guy's usually not far behind. Um, one, of the be- uh, one half of the best recruiting tag team on the West Coast in the business. It is the great Greg Biggins. Uh, Greg, thanks for joining me today. Mike, anytime. As I said, man, you ever need anything? I know I'm not Brandon Huffman, but I'm trying my best to kind of be in that, you know, be in that same vicinity. So that's the goal. <laughs> well, you guys, I, I'm amazed. We just did, um, I, we didn't just do it. I guess it feels like we did because it was the last event I did. I'm not sure what the last event you did was, but the last event I did was Pylon Vegas with you guys. And, um, you know, it, it feels like you guys run the West Coast, basically. When you're out there walking around with you two, it's, um, it's like walking around with a celebrity. So uh, <laughs> we definitely had to get you on with Texas pushing into California. And that's where I want to start right off the bat. Um, you know, Texas is, is, is certainly in the mix for a couple of California prospects, uh, mostly DBs out there. Um, two in particular, uh, Jameer Johnson and Jalen Smith. What can you tell us about not only those guys as players, but what you've heard about them with Texas? Yeah, so I mean, of, of the two, I would give Texas a, probably a little better shot with Jameer. I, I do think Jalen is probably leaning pretty pretty decently to USC right now. He's got a lot of ties that are kind of pushing in that direction. And um, obviously, if he can take trips and, you know, the last news, I think we heard, I think we're recording this on a, what says Wednesday, um, rule came down, what, an hour ago about no on-campus visiting through which is like July 31st or something like that so right. I know Jalen wants to take his trips really bad and Texas is one school he really wants to get to um, Clemson Alabama all those schools are kind of intriguing to him uh, but I, I don't know if he'll be able to if he's planning on making a late summer decision Jameer on the other hand uh, he also wants to visit Texas pretty badly I don't see him being 
in any hurry. Not saying Jalen is, but I think Jameer is the guy who's probably a little more willing to, to wait it out and, and take his trips and go into the fall season. So Texas is involved, uh, Colorado, uh, their DB coach actually is from his same high school, played at Pasadena Muir and um, is kind of almost like a, a, a mentor to all the kids at Muir. Uh, Arizona State is involved there. Oregon is involved there. So I think those are the, all the main schools. But, you know, Jameer and his family, his mother is highly involved. And, and they did a Zoom call, kind of did an article about it a couple weeks ago that, you know, they were really blown away by Texas and all that has to offer, you know, on the field, off the field. And I know they're really, really excited about the opportunity um, of what a Texas, not just a football education, but, you know, an academic ed education and degree and all that could do for you after life, uh, after football is over. So uh, Texas, I think, has a real shot with Jameer if they can get him on campus. How do you see those guys as players? Because I, a West Coast source I spoke to in the coaching world told me he thinks Jalen Smith may be the best defensive back in California just from the fact that he can kind of do it all. Yeah, I, I've heard – I actually heard that from a couple of people. Shoot, we might even have the same source. Is, is <laughs> we talked about that. So, no, he really is versatile. He's, he's – I, I, it's always kind of a – people use it as a, as a knock, but he's kind of a tweener in the sense that he kind of has a corner frame. He's probably about 5'9", five, 5'10", five, uh, but he plays more of a safety. You know, he's kind of a, being recruited more as a nickel, but he is so versatile. His high school team uses him as a corner, as a nickel, as a safety, even as a linebacker because he's such a good tackler. I mean, he's probably about 5'10", 180, but, you know, really good ball skills. He'll play a ton of receiver at Alameda next year. And, you know, saw him at an Elite 11 catching passes for his quarterback, Miller Moss, and tell you what, he was one of the best receivers there. So, like you said, man, versatile. Uh, any setting that you see him at, my big thing is when I go and watch a player, I don't want to really know who he is. I want to just be able to watch football and, and see if the guy shows up. And when you go watch a seven-on-seven seven or a camp or a football game and Jalen's involved, like, it takes you about five plays and then he shows up. I mean, he's just a guy who the ball just always kind of finds. Great ball skills, highly instinctive. And I, I can see why, you know, a coach would say the best DB. I mean, he's really a natural football player. Uh, 2022 guys, there's a couple of guys out there Texas has offered already. Um, and I, I read your update on Larry Turner Gooden and just selfishly, um, after talking to that kid earlier this spring when Texas offered and seeing him on film, was kind of disappointed he didn't mention Texas in that group of schools standing out to him. But uh, a source of Texas has told me that they feel like they're doing really good work with Damani Jackson at, at um uh, at modern day, um, you know, obviously modern day, you, you're, you're stacked against uh, that being basically being a USC feeder school, but where do you think the chances are that, that Texas could pull him away from there? Yeah. You know what? And I don't know if I necessarily think that's, that's the case anymore. I think with the 2021 class, we're seeing, you know, their top prospect this year is, is Rajon Davis who's already committed to LSU and, and Jalen Davies, the corner has an offer from, uh, USC, but I, I think he's leaning toward leaving home right now. And, you know, probably his top two would be Arizona State and, uh, and Oregon. So I don't know if it's necessarily, uh, you know, go to modern day, you're a lock to go to USC. I think Domani, he definitely sees himself as a national recruit and he'll take his time and he'll play the process out. I mean, that's just kind of how he's wired. You know, he's going to take all of his trips and, you know, he kind of likes that big stage. I think he's going to kind of enjoy you know, being uh, a headliner in that 2022 class, real special athlete. I mean, if you look at the kid, you know, he's, he's a chiseled 6'1", maybe even 6'1 and a half and 185 pounds. And he has a college body right now. Uh, hadn't run track in a couple of years. Went out this year in the second meet, he went 10, 7, 8, which, I mean, in Texas, that's not that fast because in Texas, I mean, it's all about track, which I love. I'm a big track guy myself. 
itself. But in California, you know, we don't get a lot of guys, football players who, who run track. So, I mean, he would have been running probably in the low 10 fives by the end of the season. This after not running track in a couple of years. So Damani's special for sure. Honestly, I don't think he's got a, you know, a locked in leader right now. I think USC, he does have some, you know, relationships there with the staff, but same thing with ASU, Ohio State is a higher priority there. Texas, you already mentioned them. Um, you know, he's kind of waiting for a Clemson offer, which is kind of like they're like the hot school right now in terms of, you know, players coveting that offer. Uh, and then, yeah, Larry Turner, good and awesome kid. Just talked to him a couple of days ago when we invited him to the All-American Bowl. He quickly committed to that. But another guy, and honestly, I wouldn't read into too much Texas being omitted from that list because we were just kind of talking off the cuff, and I was saying, hey, who are the schools that you're talking to the most right now? And he would literally would, would say three schools, and he'd say, oh, I forgot this school. Two seconds, like, oh, I forgot that school. So, I mean, if I would have asked about Texas, I guarantee you he would have said, oh, man, I love Texas. So, uh, don't don't read into that. I, I do think Texas is, is pushing hard for him. And, uh, again, um, offered him through Derek Holmes, father of Darnay Holmes, who played at UCLA. And I, I know Darnay and Derek Holmes, that family, that they'll be involved in and you know, I, I think Texas definitely has a chance. Uh, again, he'll take a visit out there. He's going to take his time. He'll take all five official trips. He's already saying I'm going to commit at the All-American Bowl. So we're talking like January of 2022. So a long way to go for, for both these two kids. Yeah, I loved watching that kid's film when he was offered. He was just a really fun, fun watch. And, you know, Greg, anytime I get an opportunity to make a trip out west, I'm, I'm going to love doing it. So I hate that, uh, you know, this corona stuff canceled the – all the camps and I was looking forward to getting back out there for that Cal Lutheran camp. And, and uh, you know, you guys made me an honorary West coast guy during the Vegas <laughs> trip. So I'm, I'm just trying to, to get back there as much as possible. Um, you know, you mentioned that, that Clemson is the kind of the, the hot school out there. And, uh, you know, Corey Foreman, the, the nation's, you know, number one defensive end was, was out there, uh, or was committed to there. And then before decommitting, obviously that, that shows some of the influence, but, uh, you know, what is the view, do you think, of, of Texas on the West Coast? Because they have had their, their fair share of, of finding guys out in Arizona and California. And, um, you know, what is it? I, I don't I know you probably don't do much digging on, on Texas out there, but what do you hear when you do ask about it? No, I mean, I, I have tons of respect. Again, I, I was, you know, going way back to the, to the Shrine Bowl, back when, you know, California-Texas game was playing – um, we, we are involved, and I was with student sports involved in that game. I've I've have a ton of respect for Texas football, and I think a lot of kids too. There's obviously a rivalry, you know, California, Florida, Texas, the big three, right? And so I think there's always that, you know, that in-state pride. Although, you know, I think right now with California players, is probably less pride uh, for their state than the Texas and, and Florida kids are. I think <laughs> right now California football is a little bit. I don't want to say that on a downward swing, but uh, we're, we are seeing a ton of players leaving home. So. No, I mean, when a player gets enough from Texas, it definitely resonates. It means a lot more than – I don't want to name a bunch of schools and insult anybody, but, no, there's certain offers that you get, you know, an Alabama offer. A kid gets that, and it just jumps out for them, right? Like I mentioned, Clemson, Ohio State. Um, but Texas, it's, it's a traditional power. Um, it, it's a football craze state. Everyone knows it. They have – Great tradition, especially if you're talking about a defensive back, which all the guys we've been talking about so far have been, ironically, DBs. Right? I don't know if that was planned or not, but just seemed like <laughs> Jameer and Jalen, they just happen to be DBs. Obviously, Texas is one of the schools that you can kind of throw into that DBU category, right, with LSU and Ohio State. So Texas does, does a great job, and kids out here, you know, they're all about developing and getting to the league. And it's not so much like it used to be. We used to be 
hey, if USC offers me, and even to a lesser extent, if UCLA offers me, I'm probably going to stay close to home right now. They don't care about that. They, they will, are willing to leave and go home and play for whoever can get them to the league in hopefully three years. That's the dream. And I think they see Texas as being a school with, with that kind of big stage and that kind of tradition. And, and they do a great job, again, with DBs and d development. So, yeah, that's a, the Longhorns, that's a huge offer out here. How much do you think part of that is, you know, the 2005 Rose Bowl, obviously one of the greatest games of all time, um, Texas being able to come out there. How much of it do you think is the Pac-12 being down? And, you know, reading this week that the Pac-12 is pursuing names like Texas and Oklahoma for the next uh, realignment shuffle, I'm wondering how much that would help Texas uh, recruiting out west if they were suddenly playing in the Pac-12. Man, that, that would be crazy, right? I know it helped Utah and Colorado in a big way in terms of recruiting for those two schools. And, you know, tech, I don't think Texas needs any help. They don't really need to leave home to do a lot of recruiting. But for California kids, if, if they know that, you know, they can go to Texas and still come home and play for the mom and dad at least once a year, depending on, you know, if they were aligned with USC or UCLA or shoot, even Cal Stanford is a five-hour drive. Uh, Arizona, Arizona State's a five-hour drive. So, uh, yeah, I think that'd be, that'd be big. Um, but, no, I think 2005 Rose Bowl, honestly, uh, you and me are both old enough to, to know that was one of the greatest games of all time. A lot of these kids, you know, they were really young at, at that point in time, right? So, it was like they watched it live. I, it's funny. I still get kids when they ask them about USC, and they say, oh, man, I love growing up and watching Reggie Bush. I'm like, dude, you're like one years old. <laughs> like, what do you mean you grew up watching, watching that? But, no, I think Texas just – it's a big name. I, 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 don't, I don't think it matters that, that the Rose Bowl and Vincent Young and – um, I just think that the name Texas, just it's a brand. It is a name brand. It's a top five job. And I, I think people just kind of resonate when you hear that word Texas football, Longhorn. It, it's, it's big time for sure. Well, that's uh, we appreciate the update. Our listeners will love that update from out west. And I know I can always count on you, Greg, when I can't get in touch with a kid out there and just say, hey, can you check in with this kid and, and tell me what's going on? So uh, we appreciate that. Let's get into um, – Let's get into kind of some other stuff and, and talk about, uh, you know, you just mentioned Vince Young. I know that uh, from your time back working with student sports, and, and I think you uh, wrote it out, uh, you, you had a writing about this, about the time they released that, uh, they reshowed the, the Rose Bowl. But uh, I would love to hit for our listeners here to kind of, for you to tell the Vince Young story from, from your time when uh, you were at Elite 11. Yeah, so I'll try not to be too long-winded just to kind of give the, the Reader's Digest version. And if you need me to expand, I, I can. But, you know, Elite 11 back in the day, it was a uh, – you know, it wasn't like what it is now. Um, you know, now it's, it's kind of big. It's TV. It's glamorized. Back then it was kind of – we kind of wanted to keep media out, wanted to kind of keep it small, and didn't really like anyone to go and write about it because kids were being put in, in situations that they weren't used to. And that was kind of how you learn, right? You want to put guys in uncomfortable situations. And there was no one that was more uncomfortable the first couple of days of the camp than, than Vincent was. Uh, I, do I keep calling him Vincent? I mean, he goes by Vincent. <laughs> That's just kind of what I know him by, right? I'll, I'll just say call him young. But, um, you know, I picked him up from the airport. And, and you could kind of tell, you know, he was just not super uncomfortable. I, he kind of came from, you know, uh, you know, Houston, Texas, which was a lot different than Southern California, right? We're out there on the beach and – I, I could just tell, you know, he was kind of just kind of had his guard up. And then even like I wrote in the article, you know, nowadays, everybody knows each other, right? Everyone see each other at all these different camps and different events. But back then there was basically little 11. That was it. Um, so he didn't know anybody really. And he goes out there and 
you know, I don't, I don't think it's being politically incorrect to say, you know, he was, I think, one of only two, three black guys out there. And that was probably different from what he was used to. So just he was a pure spread quarterback. Just grab it. First guy open, throw it. If not, take off and run for 60. That was his deal. And if play breaks down, he'll run around, make five guys miss and throw it 60 yards down the field. That Elite 11 was all about structure and doing like hours of chalkboard stuff and drawing up coverages and saying, okay, uh, Vince, you know, this is our, you know, cover two safety's here, corner drops here. What's your best beater coverage for this particular route. And he's looking at them going, I have no idea what you're talking about. And not just him, but a lot of guys, right. It was like a foreign language. And those first two days, I'm not even kidding. He wanted to go, he wanted to leave and go back home. And I, I, I could just see where he was just trying to process everything. And it just was tough. And the night, the second night after the second workout, that night, all the guys watched each other's highlight tapes. And his highlight tape was insane. It was easily the best highlight tape. And again, these kids back then, there wasn't huddle. There wasn't like it is now. They didn't know each other. They didn't see each other's film before that night. And so you're watching this guy who's like 6'5", and just kind of, even though he was thin, he still looked like a great god back then. And he's out there running around, stiff-arming guys, running for 60, throwing off back foot, side-arming it, slinging it. Kind of had that shot put release, right? Not the most pure throwing motion, but just making plays that no one had really ever seen before. And in the night, guys are, you know, grabbing him and jumping on him and, like, just kind of, like, good-natured razzing on him about how great he was. And, like, literally the next day, you saw a huge confidence boost in him and how he played. And – you know, they made some of the drills a little more more friendly for, for quarterbacks like Vincent who were more dual threat, right? A little more rollouts, little, you know, some zone read mixed in there. But the biggest thing I learned, not just about, you know, about Vince, but just sports and athletes in general is you can't play, whether it's basketball, soccer, football, without confidence. You have to be confident and be comfortable. And, man, you just saw his confidence just shoot up. In those last two days, he was he was lights out. He was so good. And you know, we did counselor awards. We asked all the college counselors who they thought were the, you know, MVP, best release, best fit for this system, best leader, best chalk talk, blah, blah, blah. And I think Ben Olsen got MVP, but Vince, Vincent was the guy who they said most, most guy who they thought would be able to win a Heisman. He got the most votes for that. Ironically, uh, he, uh, you know, almost won. And people will say, shoot, if they voted after the Rose Bowl, he would have won it. But it, it was just kind of cool to see just kind of his maturation and his confidence boost and just the radical change from when I picked him up from the airport till we dropped him off. It was two different people. That's weird, too, because um, I guess I, it's probably revisionist history because there probably were some moments at early in his career where he didn't play with great confidence. Um, but, you know, once the, the switch really flipped for him halfway through his sophomore year leading into that Rose Bowl with Michigan and then all the way through the next year – you, I mean, you couldn't, Greg, on a, on a day-to-day basis, could not imagine a more confident guy when he stepped out on the field. So it's funny. That's the great part of our jobs is we get to see these kids before they are who they are. Um, so you, you did some work with, uh, with student sports, which, you know, I, I think people, if they know or don't, is the company that put on Elite 11 and the opening and things like that. Um, just kind of tell us, like, what was your path to this? How did you get into the business? What were your interests? All that sort of stuff. Yeah, no, so I was I was a guy who really loved all sports and played every sport. I guess I would describe myself as being that guy who who's pretty good and 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 everything, but not real good in anything, right? So, you know, I, I played, named a sport, I played it and, and coached. 
And uh, I got my degree, went to, you know, Cal State Fullerton. We called it Harvard of the West, kind of as a joke. Um, people used to, people who went to Stanford referred to themselves as Harvard of the West. And as a Cal State Fullerton alum, we were kind of like this little almost glorified junior college, but we still, you know, as a joke, referred to ourselves as Harvard of the West. Baseball school, right? Um, Augie Garrido came from Fullerton yeah. to Texas, won a national title there. So I'll throw that out there. But uh, I got my degree in kinesiology. It was, was working personal training and loved it and, and still do that on the side even now. But I, I gravitated toward, I don't know why, but just football recruiting. I heard a guy on, on doing a radio show. There was a local San Diego radio station, a guy by the name of John Contera had a guy from Student Sports on talking football recruiting and talking about some of the big recruits, guys, you know, Daryl Russell and guys like that. Who, I'm trying to think of a few more household names. Um, I think, you know, right around the time, actually, Ricky Williams, uh, when he was coming out. So that was early 90s, mid 90s. And uh, I just I just loved that. So I wrote a guy a letter uh, from Cal High Sports. Cal High Sports with student sports was the same thing. And just said, hey, love what you guys are doing. If you guys ever expand, I'm interested. This seemed like it'd be kind of fun. And so I got invited to a combine by Reebok, which those became the Nike cans. But the first year, it was Reebok was the sponsor. And it was at UCLA. And so went there and that was uh, guys like Carson Palmer. That was his class and a really good quarterback class that year. And so when I first started, I was honestly an unpaid intern for like nine months. And like I was still doing personal training, coaching, able to, you know, support, was about to get married. And um, then all of a sudden Cal High became student sports. It kind of went national. Reebok combines became Nike camps. Back then there wasn't really internet. There was 900 numbers. That's a kind of old school I am. So if you want to know about Texas football, you'd call 900 blah, 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 this phone number. And uh, Bobby Burton was a guy that, you know, we were really, really close to. And I could, and again, talk about just kind of our relationship and how rivals kind of sprung up from our relationship with Bobby. And another guy, I don't want to name his name because it's kind of not a great name. He's currently with the Maven, but that's another, another story. But uh, no, so Bobby, you know, became kind of like this national face for, uh, for rivals. And, and we kind of helped you know, put together, try to get a Midwest guy, which is Bill Curlick, a Southeast guy, which is Jamie Newberg. Um, Jeremy Crabtree was in Texas. We were doing West Coast. And that's kind of how I got going. So right when I got in, I mean, looking back, it was definitely just perfect timing. Uh, I would say, you know, it's a God thing where I got in at just the right time. They went national, student sports, Nike camps, internet kind of took off right about that time when I jumped in there. And that's kind of where I got my start from. Um, when you met, uh, I, I, this is a, a purely selfish question for me <laughs> when you met, because you guys, you two, you and, and your partner in crime over there, Brandon Hoffman are two of my favorite people in the world. And I can't tell you how glowingly I spoke to my wife when I came back from Las Vegas about the time we had there. But, um, when you met Brandon Hoffman, you know, just, uh, like I, I'm just, I'm amazed constantly at the 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 wealth of knowledge you two have and, and the memory and the recall that you have to go back to like, you know, as long as you guys have been doing it, um, you know, what clicked with you two? Cause you guys, I mean, I, obviously we all want to get along with people we work with, but you guys are almost like you were, you were made to, to work with each other. <laughs> you know what? We have a lot in common, you know, both families, um, you know, four kids, three girls and a boy all around the kind of similar age. I have a couple of older ones, but our younger ones were all kind of similar. Um, Y'all probably know the story about his daughter, Avery, who passed away, but you know, she was the same age as in between two of my youngest daughters. And um, 
So just same sports teams, both big, you know, Angels fans, like diehard baseball. I'm still trying to get him to become a hockey fan and L.A. Kings guy. But, you know, the Rams um, are my team, diehard Laker fans. And so just, you know, same beliefs spiritually. Um, you know, he used to be, you know, a youth pastor for a long time. You know, he's actually from Southern California area, Ventura. And so even though he's living in Seattle now, he's, his ties are in Southern California. So just very similar in a lot of ways and just personality wise, just, uh, you know, he's a guy who, like I said, isn't just someone I, I work with. He's one of my closest friends and um, even making it more, even more personal. I mean, I was, I'll never forget the night that he texted me about Avery and said, you know, she's, she's not going to make it, man. I, I cried like a baby. I'm not much of a crier, but like that, that affected me in a huge way because of the fact that I had two daughters the same age. And so I had met his kids and, and loved his kids. So yeah, I mean, he's a great guy. Um, kind of the, the backbone and does one of those using a sports analogy, he's kind of the guy who does not just what you see, but he does so much that you don't see in the stat sheet. You know what I'm saying? He does so much behind the scenes that doesn't show up, but without him speaking, not just out West, but from a national standpoint, man, he's, he's definitely a glue guy. And uh, great relationally, cares about kids. That's always been first and foremost and something that we um, both kind of always had in common. It's, it's always about the kids. And we'll, we'll get scooped um, often on, on stories because we'll have a kid tell us what they're going to do or maybe a parent and, and we'll, we'll ask us to hold it. We'll hold it. Someone else will, you know, we'll, we'll get it from another source and leak it without any quotes and whatnot. And, uh, but our first commitment has always been about, you know, kids and if we can promote someone and, and, uh, that's just always kind of been our mindset. That was a student sports mindset as well. You know, doing the Nike camp was originally about trying to find undiscovered players and, and kind of pushing them to the forefront. So that was a bigger deal for us and covering like these big name, you know, Vince Young guys, it was fine the, the sleepers out there. And I know Brandon kind of has that, that same love and desire to help kids out and, and whatnot. So just the way he kind of manages his life and his, you know, just kind of his interests, very similar in a lot of ways, which is probably why we, you know, get along so well. Now I'm not going to say I'm going to throw under the bus, but those days when we're rooming together and he doesn't bring, you know, his little device, Brandon's a little bit of a snore. So I'll, I'll, I will say that about him. But, you know, other than that, you know, we, we get along pretty well 99.9% .9 of the time. Other than that one little area, we're, we're good to go. Absolutely. And I, I'm hoping everything is by next, you know, next, next uh, spring, they've got this whole thing figured out. We can travel freely and uh, hoping I can make that Vegas trip every year because that was a, uh, that was a fun fun time um you and talked I about say this i just want to jump in dude it's how it's it's huge you kind of mentioned you know we adopted you you know it's <laughs> it's been awesome having you and obviously i, I already know taylor really well and, and we go way back and she's great um but it's been great having you on the texas beat with us it's been awesome working together and you know that hasn't always been the case you know with other people so i i love having you around and uh, you've been a huge help for uh, for both of us too. So man, it goes both ways for sure. Yeah, it's um. Well, you guys are more my vibe. Uh, my <laughs> wife will tell you I'm an island guy. Like I'm I'm most comfortable on a beach in flip flops and shorts, and I'm pretty, you know, take it easy kind of guy. So uh, I've, I gravitate more to the West Coast than than yeah, anything. Surfing next time if you want to come out. That's uh, you know, we can we can definitely do that if you're willing to if you want to learn. I would love to learn. I just need, need somebody patient enough to teach me. <laughs> um, you talked about finding, you know, sleepers, and that was the goal of student sports. I, I've asked this question to 
guys who have been in the game long enough, who is maybe like your favorite sleeper you've ever found or your favorite? I found this guy, he had nothing. And then all of a sudden he was, he was huge. Man, that is a great, great question. Um, I'll tell you what. Um, so we did a Nike camp at university of Miami. That was back when we can do them on college campuses. We did them on Nike schools and there was a receiver named Andre Johnson who wasn't invited. Um, we didn't want to take walk-ups because it was already too crowded, but we kind of looked at the guy and we said, dude, this guy just looks like a dude. And he went out there and was probably the best receiver we'd ever seen. And I mean, he was just unbelievable. And like I said, he was a walk-up, no offers. No one really knew who he was. This is kind of going into his junior year. And at that same camp, the following year, it was kind of a similar situation with Philip Buchanan and Willis McGahee, like just Miami, I'll never understand how Miami doesn't win 10 games a year just because there's so much ridiculous talent in that South Florida area. But, you know, Andre Johnson is one that just jumps to mind. And, you know, there's probably, once I get up to get up the phone with you, I'm going to think of a million kids. I'm, you know, trying to just trying to rack my brain as we're speaking, just more, more locally. Um, you know, right now there's not as many sleepers as there used to be because there's just so much, so much exposure for kids. But, uh, you know, I, I'll say Andre was, was a big one for me. Um, God, let me think California wise, um, hmm. you know, Deshaun Jackson was a kid who, again, just cause there wasn't a lot of exposure, you know, going into his junior year, you know, he was a small skinny guy who, you know, probably weighed about a buck 40 and I'm not even exaggerating, but he could run like you would not believe. And probably one of the most impressive events I've ever seen was again in student sports days we did an event we did an event called the area area code baseball games I'm not sure if you're familiar with that um not the huge baseball showcase that's a national thing but we did in three days we did it was called the Nike seven on which was an eight team high school imitational seven on seven tournament we did tryouts for the area code baseball games we did the fastest man in LA competition all that that, that same day and he took part in all three he long Beach, his Long Beach Poly team he led them to the championship. Then he went out and killed it on the baseball field, got invited to the area code games. And then he came like in second place in the fastest man competition after doing these other two events to a guy who I think won the state hundred meters. And he ran like a four, shot around like a four, three, two forty. It was the most remarkable thing I've, I've ever, ever seen in one day, but yeah, his recruitment didn't really explode until after his junior season. Again, back then times were different, but kind of going into his junior year and all throughout his junior year, he was, some of a sleeper kid and again he just exploded and blew up and had offers from everybody but yeah Deshaun is, was a fun one just because he was such a fun kid to follow and cover and get to know really well and they just watched him doing all these different sports baseball and track as well uh you know he was a he was a guy I always rooted for you got you are part of what what was the rankings council I think it's expanded I don't really understand how it all happens anymore I think all of our regional guys are basically in rather than having like the five or six piece rankings council that we used to have. But, you know, every time you guys drop a ranking, I think, man, that'd be really fun to be in that process. And then you guys drop it. And I look at Twitter and I look at the message board posts and I go, God, I'm glad my name is not on this. Um, in, in any way, I wanted to give you a, you know, an exam or a, a platform here to just kind of talk about what do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions about, the rankings game and um, you know, what do you, what do you wish folks understood more about it? Yeah, I, I would, I wish they understood the process of that. You know, we'll get on these three, four hour phone calls. Right. And uh, one thing that never comes up, Hey, this guy's going to this college. Let's move him up. He's going to that college. Let, let's move him down. 
he's playing he's playing in this all-american game let's move him up like college and all-american game do not even come into the picture i mean we're spending three four hours on the phone and just dissecting the kid like today um you know we talked with wide receivers and it it was when you're talking and again people need to understand this is an nfl draft model so yeah you know we're looking at all kinds of things but when look at the NFL draft, you're looking at things that project. And it's not just about, you know, well, this guy had more catches and more touchdowns, therefore he's better. Or this guy was better in this seven-on-seven tournament, therefore you should be ranked higher. It's not about that. It's your whole entire body of work. So, you know, we're big on, on whether, whatever position. So for receivers, right, it's, it's, it's looking at length. And if you're, you know, in that probably 5'11", sub 5'11 range, you better be really really fast because again the nfl draft model you know you're not going to see guys that are sub six feet you know getting drafted high that run four six four seven and then if you're six three six four you better have really good ball skills because you're not going to separate as well as that five ten five eleven shifty guy so if you're six three six four and you can't separate and your ball skills are just okay probably not gonna get drafted very high so i mean it's 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 a long tedious process these calls are insane you know last month it was all defense it was d tackles it was edge rushers it was linebackers and again it, it's it's looking at the nfl draft as a model and, and some people don't understand that and why it should be about college well the draft people don't draft bad college football players so ha, if you're not going to use the draft and i kind of resisted this at first because coming over from scout you know we did rankings based on college success but how do you define that success right by by who makes you know, an All-American team or who makes an All-League team, All-Conference, that, that's just riddled with politics. Um, even guys who win, you know, Thorpe Awards or Outland Trophies, those guys aren't even always the best guy on their own team. So the NFL draft is, is just an easy way to, you know, look at it subjectively and say, okay, these guys pick these guys because they think they're really good football players. Now, there's, of course, there's always exceptions to every rule, and there's guys that are just kind of built to be good college players who may not be drafted high, and we get that. But – if we're going to use a model, the best way that we found is just using the NFL draft. And that we feel like that still covers off who's the best college football players, but it's, it's, it's no politics. It doesn't care where his stats are, where it's, what school he played for, um, how many All-American teams he played, who's, they, who's the best football player. And, again, if it's offensive linemen, you know, we're, you're looking at things like, okay, he's not just big. It's, is he big and quick? Um, we love two-sport, three-sport athletes. We love track times to measure, you know, athleticism. We love guys that wrestle and play basketball because, again, you want functional athletes and not just guys that are just these high school road graders that are 350 pounds. Those guys don't project as well as the guy. Honestly, first-round pick saw a couple of years ago, all these linemen taken were, you know, former tight ends who kind of converted to tackles because of that fluidness, because of athleticism, because of their functionality in terms of just being able to bend and move. And as long as they have that toughness that you want to see, those guys are the ones that you kind of really want to earmark on. So it, it, there's so much, like I said, if you spent one call with us, that was three hours long, you would be, your mind would be blown and said, okay, now, now I get it. And, you know, even right now people are saying, you know, how are they moving guys up and down? There's no football. There's no camps. There's no combines. Where do they dude? It's we're digging into film. Like you would not believe. I mean, it's like watching film and it's different watching film, you know, guys in your area and then watching it with six, seven other guys, and kind of, you know, get that cross-section opinion from everyone else. And everyone else has a different opinion. We got into, you know, some many arguments today about some receivers. Some guys love this guy. The guys don't like the guy at all. And it was back and forth. And 
you're spending 10 minutes on, on one guy and you're going, dude, we got, you know, 150 more receivers to look at. Can we move on from this guy already? It's that, that's kind of how the calls go. And that's why, you know, on rankings day, like you said, man, it's a, it's a miserable day. I don't go on Twitter. Um, I don't even bother reading any comments that people leave for me. And I try to stay off message boards, except maybe just to go and answer a few questions. But it's uh, it's a day that literally no one is happy. I made it made the comment: the only person angered than seven on seven parent is that disgruntled fan on rankings day. It's a it's a lot of angry people for no real reason for me. But I guess we love that passion, right? I mean, that's why we're in business because that passion. But yeah, rankings day is never a fun one. And you can say this too, because Barton is the guy that he's the face of it all. Right. But, and I think everything is pinned on, well, Barton didn't like this guy or Barton (laughs) hates our school or, or whatever. I mean, I guess just talk a little bit about, you did already, but like how much of that is collaborative? I mean, I don't think there's, I don't think Barton's sitting up there going, I'm disregarding all of your feedback and just making this decision on my own. No, he's definitely the face and it, it, but it's definitely collaborative. You know, the, there's guys that he likes that we'll talk him out of. And there's guys that he likes that he'll push up. And you know what? There's nobody that I know, and I've been doing this 25 plus years, that I would trust more when it comes to rankings than him. I mean, he is extremely smart and, and he, he gets it. You know, he really has a keen eye, not just for talent, but again, this is evaluating with an NFL draft as the long-term goal. So, you know, he understands what a player should look like, not now, but four years from now. And, and Charles Power is huge as well. I mean, he's kind of like our rain man, right? He's the guy who, <laughs> after the NFL draft, you know, he'll literally go back and he'll look up the whole entire draft and see what were these guys like in high school. He'll take the tight ends and say, okay, there was 20 tight ends drafted. The average height and weight for these guys in high school was this. Their average 40 time was this. Their shuttle time was this. Um, 85% played basketball and the ones that didn't uh, ran track and he'll, you know, left tackles, all the guys drafted, they all were this height with this arm length. I mean, it's, it's literally, we, we look at those kind of measurables, but getting back to Barton, dude, he gets absolutely destroyed, man. I do not envy him at all. And he, and the thing is he knows he's going to get killed and he knows that if he moves to a guy who's going to this particular school, if he moves that guy down, He's going to get destroyed and called a hater. But, he, you know, he's, he's willing to, to, to suck it up, make the tough decision. And, again, we do it collaboratively. But he, he's, the, he's the face, right? He's the focal point, And he knows the backlash that's coming. And he still makes the tough call in a way because he, he believes in it. And he'll, he'll be on the table for, for, his, for what he thinks is, is correct. And, but there's, there's no one, again, that I've ever done rankings with that I trust more. I mean, I think he does a phenomenal job. Yeah, it's um, you mentioned Charles. I I swear to God, I thought I had a sharp mind for football until I met Charles and realized we're not even in the same <laughs> ga- galaxy when it comes to some of the things he comes up with or, or just the observations he makes. Um, all right, f- before we get out of here, a couple of quarantine things. How, how's the quarantine been going for you? I know you're going crazy with no uh, no Kings, no no yeah. Angels, no Lakers. Um, you know, I, I did did uh, did the quarantine rob the Lakers from an NBA championship? I mean, I, I hope it's not over yet, right? I mean, I hope we still can have a season. Like I, I like what hockey's doing. Just scrap the regular season. Just go right. Hey, man, the, the Stars got a top four seed yesterday, so I'm I'm good with it. <laughs> and then I, as a as a Kings fan, we had the number two pick in the. Well, I, I hate the lottery first off because we got screwed last year, but uh, you know we had the second best odds in the lottery, and we won our last game 
I say we, the Kings, and now we're fourth, which means we'll probably pick seventh. But no, I, I still think the basketball, we got it. We got a chance, but um, I mean, Mike, I've joked with you, man. I, I live in California. So yeah, it sucks out here. I would love to be, you know, out there with you where you guys actually are able to uh, go outside your house and have a life. Although I am in Heights and beach. And uh, so, you know, I don't know if you, people saw man, they tried to close the beaches and people were saying, nah, that's not going to happen. So there was, like, there was major riots and protesters down Heights and beach. I actually drove by it just to watch. I wasn't out there with signs, but I was out there just driving by because it was something, something to see, right? It's a, uh, you know, tell your grandkids about that. But I would love to be able to go to my local park and shoot hoops or go to the gym, but uh, it's still still shut down. So you're kind of going stir crazy. Um, I wish things were opening were open back up the way they are for you guys, but uh, you know that that's that's California for us. But I think we're I think we're getting closer. So at least I'm a little bit hopeful. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I forgot. Um, so you you guys, what do you think the outlook is for fall football in California? So sounds like it's going to happen. If you're referring to high school, it sounds like it's going to happen. I actually talked to several coaches and I talked to the local commissioner and they're all pretty confident. Now they're not sure exactly when it's going to start or, you know, if it's going to be starting, you know, typically out here week zero is that third week of August. That's when it starts and then runs all the way through. So I heard they may wait and just start in September. Um, They may scrap all non-league games, go right to league play. Um, they may start early and finish late. They may start like in December and use the sports that are kind of more conducive to social distancing, maybe moving, you know, baseball track to the fall and moving football to the end of the year. Obviously those guys graduating early, that would hurt them. But, you know, I, I've heard all these different scenarios, but my, my gut feel like it's going to happen. And I, I bet it kind of, I bet it happens in September. That's kind of where my mindset's at right now. And obviously a month from uh, a month ago, it wasn't looking very good. Um, so fast forward to today, I think it's huge progress. And so I think if you go from now and fast forward a month, if we progress the same, same rate, I, I really don't see any reason why they're not playing, you know, high school football in September. Oh, that's great to hear. And as I told you the other night on the phone, if you want to make a move down here, if they don't, I got a spare room. You could come. Uh, I'll introduce you to Texas high school football and the, the press box food. We, we take great pride in here. Now, I've actually went to one high school football game way, way back in the day. Kyle Williams played at Highland Park. Um, I did a story. The family invited me out and this is right. Wrote an article for student sports magazine. And it was kind of like, Hey, you know, I went to a pep rally, then went to the game and, and saw them play. I forgot who they played, but um, man, it was fun, man. It, it was everything that I anticipated with high school football. Obviously, it wasn't, you know, 50,000 fans. It wasn't Allen, Texas, but, you know, Highland Park, they, they had some dudes for sure. And obviously, Kyle Williams was, you know, I'm going to USC and had a really good career there. Um, but uh, no, I, w- I would love to, man. I'm, I'm a fan. I really am. I know there's supposed to be a rivalry, but I, I'm a fan of Texas high school football for sure. And, and just the stage and all that. It, it'd be fun to go back and, and go watch a game for sure. I'd love to do that. Yeah, anytime you need to, you, you know, you got a place here. Um, is, is anything, uh, we ask this on every show, anything you've been, uh, what did you do to pass the time during quarantine? Any good shows, any good books, anything like that you could recommend? Uh, not really. I haven't started any books. I got four kids, so kind of keeping up with them, <laughs> um, you know, ranging from 22, 19, and then 13 and 11. So I got the full gamut. So, um, they keep me busy, uh, you know, watched, you know, watching some shows with the little ones, I, like Arrow or some weird show with my 11 year old. She's into like 
the Arrow or Legends or those kind of shows, Flash. Um, my older one, we've been watching The Last Dance. And then after that, we're watching a little Lakers Celtics 30 for 30 show that, uh, you know, that was on. That's about it, though, man. I mean, the shoot, you know, the job's been crazy, right? There's, there's, there's no letdown at all with no traveling, but still there's been double the commitments. And so I feel like we're grinding, like doing our normal day-to-day stuff more so than ever before. So, yeah, there hasn't been a letdown at all. And I'm so thankful for that, right? Like, out, again, out here in Southern California, they closed everything down and people were losing their jobs and people losing business. And that was part of the, the big, not to go on a segue, but that was the biggest reason for why there was that big protest down by the Huntington Beach Pier was because, you know, they were shutting down businesses. People are, are not able to feed their families over what they didn't think was as serious as was once first believed. So for me, I was so thankful to have a, a job um, keeping me busy and still able to support the family. So, but um, yeah, I, I think this off season has been as busy for me as any other, despite not being able to go out to you know, camps or seven on seven events. I swear, man, I've done more work during this quarantine than I ever did before. Right? Like I pumped up my numbers in the last three months have been astronomical. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Um, okay. Last question before we get out of here. Uh, we asked this to all of our guests on open mic. Who are the best, uh, some of the best players you've ever seen? If you'd prefer to do it the Brandon Huffman way, he named his his Mount Rushmore of his four <laughs> greatest players of all time. And you know Zach Ertz made the list. He did not put Zach Ertz on his Mount Rushmore. He did because it made me laugh because I laugh at his Zach Ertz bias. Is there a – okay, I wasn't sure there was an inside, <laughs> inside joke there. Well, you know, when we were in Vegas, it was – that guy reminds me of Zach Ertz. Hey, do you know who the greatest seven-on-seven seven player I've ever seen is? Zach Ertz. Uh, everything was Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz. Wow, that sounds that sounds like Huff. Uh, gosh, I, I've seen too many. Uh, honestly, um, it doesn't have to just be four. You name however many yeah. you want. Who are the guys? How about this? Who are the guys that you remember like the first time you saw him? You were like, "Oh my god, that guy is going to be in the NFL. He's going to be a first round pick." Sure. Yeah. No. Um. You know, Adrian Peterson was was pretty good at football. Tyron um, Smith was a guy who we actually turned down. Uh, his coach tried to get him into the Nike camp as a uh, as a sophomore, and back then we didn't take anybody unless you're at least a junior. So we said, "Sorry, man, you got to come back next year." So he came back after his junior year and was MVP of the whole entire camp, and probably the best you know offensive lineman I've ever seen, high school prospect. Um, I would say DJ Williams from De La Salle ended up going to Miami. I actually picked Miami over Texas; those were his final two. Um, but DJ is probably the best high school prospect I ever saw out of California, just ridiculous talent as a running back and as a linebacker and just, you know, driven and tough and everything you'd want in a player. First time I saw Reggie Bush, uh, I think he took a a sweep when it it was a deal where every carry back then with Reggie was like a pump return. I mean, he would get a sweep and go right, left, right, left. He'd go like a windshield wiper, make eight guys miss and then, you know, ran for 60. So uh, you know, he was ridiculous. And then we saw, obviously, I've seen a lot of quarterbacks just over the years doing Elite 11, you know, probably just kind of keeping it, uh, you know, West Coast-wise. I, I would say probably the best high school quarterback I saw was probably Mark Sanchez. Um, he looked like an NFL player in high school. He was that good. Uh, Deshaun Foster, maybe the best running back I ever saw. Another guy, he, Texas was the runner-up. It was Texas and it was UCLA. He ended up staying close to home and playing for UCLA. but um, so those are a couple, couple guys that just kind of jumped to mind. Um, you know, I remember the first time I saw receiver Charles Rogers, um, you know, he was really, really special. Um, 
I would put Trevor Lawrence in, in that category in terms of high school quarterbacks, if for, you know, going more, more from a national standpoint. Um, like I said, man, names are just kind of flooding, flooding into my head right now as I, as I look back at, at different, uh, different players. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to cheat and, and act like I saw everybody at the high school level, but those are some that I actually got to see live and in person at an event or at a camp. And, you know, at, at one camp, we did a Nike camp at, at University of Georgia. And, uh, we, you know, Julio Jones was there as a rising, as a rising sophomore, just finished up his, um, his freshman year. And I can't describe how good he was. Again, that was with three years of, of high school ball to go. So Julio Jones and, and A.J. Green were at that same camp, both the same year. And those two guys were just special, special, special. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just I could go on and on and on. But, yeah, those are just a few guys that jump out for me. Well, Greg, this has gone on for a while. I feel like we could sit here and talk ball and catch up all night. So I got to let you go because you've got a family of four four kids to <laughs> to go entertain and, and probably feed or something. And I promised my wife I'd take her for ice cream. So, oh, um, nice. uh, yeah, you know, you got you know, to keep the, the home fires burning, as they say. Oh, so I got you. Um, all right. Well, Greg, man, we appreciate it. Would love to have you back on at another time. I, I don't know why I waited so long to ask you. I guess I thought you were so busy, but like you said, you just, uh, needed about two minutes notice and you were, you were on. So <laughs> I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Oh, man. Thanks for having me. It was, it's always fun talking to you and catching up. Thank you for listening to another episode of the state of recruiting's open mic. As a reminder, you can find the show on any major po- podcast platform. Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else you can get your podcasts. We would also like to ask that you go to any of those podcast platforms and subscribe, rate, and review our podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Settle for boring analysis and fake hot takes. Get real insider knowledge, real scoops, and really weird ideas about the game we all love. An oddball with Amin El Hassan, that's him, and Charlotte Wilder, that's me. We'll hit you with funny and fearless talk on all things basketball, from the serious stories on the court, the player beefs off of it, and everything in between. You can catch Oddball with Amin El Hassan and Charlotte Wilder every Tuesday through Friday on the DraftKings Network and wherever you listen to your podcasts.